Hey, what up, guys? It's me again. And welcome to the This Is My Moment podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Mitchell. And you know, here at This Is My Moment, we love to laugh, we love to smile, we love needing new people. But you know what? It's season two, baby! Let's go get it! There ain't no stopping it. This is my moment. Uh, join the movement. We bringing people together, bringing positivity, making changes for the better. Cause it's all Today... I have someone on the line that's been through a lot, and I was reading up on her, and I can't wait to hear her story. It's going to be ridiculously good for us. Introduce yourself to the family. Hi, um, I'm Dr. Katrina Nguyen coming from Illinois. I'm a pediatric GI uh, specialist, um, a doctor for over 20 years. I also have written two books, um, international best-selling author, um, keynote speaker in my early journey. And I also founded a nonprofit to fight childhood obesity in 2014. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I was reading up, right? I'm a research guy. So I want you to tell me if I'm right or wrong. It says that you came from Vietnam at 14 months. Is that true or wrong? That is correct. Yep. Then I dug further and it said that you almost died two times on your trip or is that that's yes I'm, I'm, yes that's okay. correct yes okay hang on cuz I got some questions but as a 14 month old child baby do you remember that do you remember coming over I don't remember coming over but um I wrote a book about that journey because I interviewed my oldest brother who was uh, about 16, 17 around that time. Yeah. So, and my parents also told stories about, you know, the, the two near-death experiences that I had. Okay. So are you familiar with the near-deaths? Because I'm going to get right into it. I want to know what happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So my very first question, Doc, how'd you almost die two times? So unlike uh, traditional definitions of near-death experiences, for me, right. it was people, rec you know, recalling the story to me. Okay. Um, so my dad was a fisherman in Vietnam. And after the fall of Saigon in 1975, right. we had a choice of how we, uh, you know, how are we going to survive? Are we going to stay here and risk death? Or are we going to take a chance? Yeah. So my dad decided to take uh, my mom and I was the eighth the youngest of the, the children at the time on a, his fishing boat and just go out to sea and hope that we would be rescued by a humanitarian ship. So oh. during that journey, just on the ship and finding, you know, a floating barge and the transfer to the humanitarian ship when we were eventually rescued, yeah. um, I almost fell into the ocean because somebody couldn't catch, didn't appropriately catch me by the leg. Oh. So, you know, there are stories of, of children and adults who died, you yeah. know, falling into the ocean. So, but because someone caught me by the leg during the transfer, I didn't fall into the ocean. So that was one time. And then we okay. ended up, yeah, we made it to the Philippines from the ship. And then we were flown to Guam, uh, uh, first, you know, U.S. land. And while I was there in the refugee camp, I became very ill with some kind of infection, like a head and neck infection. And yeah. I had to have emergency surgery. And my parents actually had to find a burial site for me because the doctors said that they weren't sure if I could make it. But I survived it. And so that was my second time. So whenever I was growing up, 
you know, my relatives and friends would visit our family and they would always refer to me as, is that the girl who nearly died in Guam? So that's how I knew there was a story behind, you know, what happened to me as a child. Ooh, yeah. That is crazy. So I have something for you. I am a retired military guy, right? A retired Air Force. I did three years on Guam. Thank you for your service. I, man, I appreciate it, man. But I'm going to tell you what. I don't know if you grew up in Guam, but that's the best assignment that I've ever had in my entire life. Like, I love Guam. I love Tomorrow Village. I love Jigo. I was actually uh, a football coach for the, the Jigo Raider, uh, Raiders. And uh, so I have a special place in my heart for Guam. Now I got it for two reasons. I'm glad you made it. And one of so, my my younger sister was born in Guam, so in nineteen seventy six. So yeah, so she's uh you know she she wants to go back there and visit, and we you know we want to eventually visit and see yeah. where we started our initial journey in America. Yeah, did you do you know where where they had you at? Because was um, Orote um, refugee camp. Oh man, so that's all I know. But you know the process of writing my. Book, actually reached out to the mayor of Guam. I called the hospitals in Guam and yeah. and tried to find my medical records. I even talked to the National Archives, the Department yeah. of Defense. Yeah. But, you know, as a refugee, my parents weren't in the U.S. military. Yeah. And so uh, all my brother remembered was that I had to have surgery. It was doctors from the, you know, uh, army that were there to take care of me. They just told my parents and my brother who like spoke very little English. She was more fluent right. in French. Right. And basically said, we had to take her to surgery. We don't know if she'll make it, but this is her only chance. Man, so first off, that's a blessing that you're even here. And that's going to lead right into my second question. Mm -hmm. With those two things, and those two literally, man, that's that's literally flip of the coin chances. You know what I mean? If the doctors have your folks getting ready to pick a grave site, like you, you, you might not go, you might not come back. So since yeah. you did, my question is this: Do you think you're here for a purpose? Like I, I believe in I believe in faith, you, and 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 if you don't, I apologize. If you do, I mean, but Patrick believes. Do, Patrick yeah. believes in faith, and I believe that everybody is a purpose, and and God puts you through things so you can be something to other people. So my question to you is: Living through those things, do you think you're here for a purpose? And if you are, what's your purpose? I actually felt very strongly about that, and. I feel that the experience I had, um, the two times that I nearly died, mm -hmm. were basically God giving me second chances in my yeah. early life. And yeah. my purpose is to seek out ways to give people second chances. That is. So that's, you know, I look at every, once I knew that story and yeah. starting kind of in my mid-20s, like in college <clears throat> when I was volunteering, kind of exploring like a career in medicine, um, I reflect on that a lot. Mm -hmm. I tell my parents, I said, you know, if I survive, look at many other refugees and children who didn't. Yeah. So I need to take advantage of the fact that I had second chances and, you know, make use of that to make a, a difference and a blessing to other people. Man, perfect. Perfect. And, you know, a, a lot of times, a lot of times people overlook that blessing, right? And, and what I mean by that is you'll take that those chances 
and not be influential to helping other people. Like you are taking and then try to be like the best person that you can be. You can be financially rich. You can be this. I can be this. I, I, I. But then not knowing that the real reason that you're here is so it can be we. We are able to do this. We are able to give back. We are able to put back into the community. So now other people that didn't have a chance have an opportunity. And that to me is, is, and this is just Patrick, that's the reason that I believe you get second chances. Not so you can fix who you are, but is able to build who you are into the community so you can give back and help change it. Because at the, at the end of the day, that one grab of the leg, right? Mm -hmm. Not, that's the difference between life and death. That's the difference. Yeah. And, that could, and that one grab of the leg may have eventually been the reason that you saved somebody else's life. Right. You've been in so many people's lives with the doctor, with the speeches, with the books, right, to where you've helped them people and all because someone grabs your leg. Mm -hmm. Right. It's crazy how it comes, but yes. it's, it's it's something to it. I believe it. And also I had to have the right doctor in the right place to recognize that I needed surgery. Right. And yeah. had to have the skills to provide the surgery to save me. Man. So everything yeah. had to be perfectly timed in his own divine intervention. So right. I felt very strongly about that. So when I, I co-wrote um, a book called The Confidence of Yes with 11 other women that came out this January and yeah. it became an international bestseller, that my, my, yeah. the chapter of, of my book is called An Angel Sent from Above because okay. that doctor was the angel, right? Yeah. That, yeah. you know, without, you know, God knew that if he wanted me to have a second chance and make a difference in my future life, he had to send the right person to make that happen. So I look at that doctor who I never met yeah. and I have no medical record. I don't have details of any surgery, but I just know that that was the angel that saved my life. But do you believe that the reason that you give back genuinely is because of that opportunity and those people that was inside of your life? That's one reason, but also my family's um, refugee experience coming to mm. America yeah. And my dad had a very successful fishing business. He had, you know, two boats and hired a bunch of people, was very successful yeah. when I was born. But, you know, imagine going from having everything to yeah. having nothing. Yeah. And so that's really my driving force, you know, to learn about the history of where my family started and to appreciate the freedom and the blessings. Yeah. So, we, you know, we, we are like other refugees, but we had to work hard. We had to get to where we are. And my parents who are, have both passed on, they always reminded us all, you know, 10 of their kids that when you're successful, look back at your journey, how far you've come and look around and be helpful. So that's my driving force, you know, ultimately the experience of being a refugee in America and getting all the blessings that I've had. That's amazing. Like, that's amazing. And then... When you tell your story, right, and then you tell about being on Guam and landing on Guam and being there, like, I can imagine, because I've actually seen, like, the island, and you were there probably well before, like, the hotels and all the, the, the military bases, you know what I mean, all those things to where it was still uh, a um, part of America, right? But it was, mm -hmm. like, I can picture it, and it was, it was, it's crazy, and I can see it, and you are extremely blessed and i want to i want to see what else you got in your bag i want to talk to you about this though talk to me a little bit about your charity foundation what do you got going on what is that what is it called and what you got it what you got going on 
So November 6, 2014, I right. established a, a charity, a nonprofit called Faithful to Fitness, the number two fitness. And okay. it's a, a trademarked um, logo uh, and website. Yeah. And basically, it is run by entirely by volunteerism. Uh, it is focused on helping to reverse the childhood obesity epidemic in America. Yeah. Based in the community, it's not specific to any hospital, and nobody that serves with my charity is paid a penny. Mm. So it's about time, talent, and treasure. So what we've done here in Loves Park, Rockford, Illinois, is we offer two to three 12-week programs for children ages 7 to 18, including their parents. Yeah. which includes like weekly exercise classes at a gym for one hour with a fitness instructor. We also have uh, meal prep classes, grocery store tours, nutrition lessons, and farm visits. Very comprehensive. And when we first started, we charged like $12, so $1 per week. And yeah. now in the past three years, since uh, 2020, we've, and we, we've been able to fundraise and we've had a lot of private donations. We've been able to offer the programs for free. That's a blessing. So, you know, um, as a pediatric GI specialist, um, I felt that childhood obesity, number one, leads to other health problems like type 2 diabetes, yeah. blood pressure, heart disease, and yeah. such, and sleep apnea, for instance. Yeah. But it's not a, a solution isn't to come to the doctor's office. You know, yeah. it's the solution is the family and interaction and supportive uh, efforts within the community and just educating people to overcome some of those motivational barriers. Right. So a lot of things I went through as a refugee, some barriers yep. and some challenges, I apply that to my nonprofit and helping people. Man, that's that's it right there, Doc. You own us something. Yeah. While you were starting this this nonprofit, what was one of the biggest misconceptions you had about starting it? You know what I mean? Like, the money was going to come in, the people were going to come in. Like, what was one of the biggest misconceptions you had when you started your, your, your foundation? Well, I had a lot of naysayers, right? People uh, would say, oh, you know, you got to apply for grants and it's going to cost millions of dollars and nobody's going to want to volunteer because who wants to give, you know, for something like they will always say, what's in it for me, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I had a lot of negativity behind me, but I my focus was about serving people and making a difference. And I knew that somewhere out there, I'd be able to find people that had the same heart and passion to help. Um, so, you know, honestly, like I've encountered many patients who had put together charity events and I learned from them. I learned how they did it because they were passionate about a cause. And when you are passionate about a cause, even if it's yeah. difficult, you'll find a way. So that's what works for me. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like I think that. the more challenging thing was finding kind of legal help to get things, mm -hmm. you know, uh, established as a nonprofit that's tax exempt yeah. and getting things trademarked so that your intellectual, you know, concepts would be protected. So yeah, that was yeah. the more challenging thing. But, uh, you know, like I said, when it's meant to be, God will send <laughs> the people to help you make it happen. And I saw that in the journey that I documented in my first book called Live to Give. Uh, there's a chapter about the formation of the nonprofit and the divine intervention that made it happen. Man, that's solid. And you talk about it too, because I have a, this is my moment is branded, right? And, and, and trademarked and all that things. And, mm -hmm. and to me, when you own something, you can make it what you want. So mm -hmm. all those people that were, that were talking, I call it talking down. 
They always talk down to you. They never try to lift you up. It's always some kind of negative vibe that they're putting out. And I'll tell you what, I think you did it right. And the reason I say that is because when you talk to people and they say, no, I no you. Oh, you can't. You can't do this. Why are you doing this? It's going to and you say, you know what? You don't have to do it. I'm going to do it. This is what this is what's in me. You didn't get grabbed by the leg. You wasn't at the doctor. that. So, you know what? You don't have to see my vision. You don't have to. But you know what? I see it. And you know who else sees it? Because he put you here. So yeah. good on you not listening to that because I know it's, it gets very easy to quit. And my next yeah. question to you is what keeps you motivated? Like what keeps you going on those days where you didn't have enough money to to sponsor the people and they had to pay the money? Like what kept you pushing to where you know what? I don't want to I don't want you to have to pay nothing. What gave you that energy? What gave you that juice? I feel that my my faith in particular, my parents really, you know, uh, encourage us to keep up with our faith and practice our faith. Yeah. And in my, you know, Catholic faith, uh, one of the most important things in prayer is we're taught to not pray for, oh God, please, you know, let me have this and that, right? When yeah. we have maturity in prayer, we should be seeking God's will. So mm. I would ask him every day as a doctor or when I started writing and speaking, what's your will for me? What What is your mission for me in life? And yeah. whatever is your mission, help me to fulfill that mission. Send the people here to help me, you know, put the right people in my life so that I can fulfill your purpose and mission for me. That's what drives me. So if yeah. something doesn't happen or I'm not making the right partnerships or the right people aren't coming, I just look at it as it wasn't meant to be. That's not what God's will. So yeah. I don't get too hung up on it or too upset because I just have to recognize this. I'm not in control. He's in control. That's it, man. I yeah. think I think you got the recipe. <laughs> I think you got the recipe. Try to teach people that, you know, because sometimes yeah. people get a little um, frustrated that they, they'll say, oh, I, I don't want to pray because I tried praying and it, you know, well, how did you pray, right? What were yeah. you praying for? You can't have selfish yeah. prayer. You got to pray yeah. that with the belief that he's in charge. And yeah. that all you're doing is seeking his will so you have clarity. True that. And I tell you what, right? I, I'm a firm believer in prayer too. And I tell people this all the time. I pray more when I'm doing well than I do when I'm doing bad. And I don't know if that makes any sense to you. But I want to make sure that he understands that I am extremely blessed and I'm extremely thankful for everything that he's given me to where I'm not taking it for granted. And I think a lot of times people do that. You can easily take for granted things. And then when it goes south, you wonder where you went wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know. It may be something to it. And I think the, the other thing is when I've encountered other um, people who speak and write and spiritual yeah. leaders that I've encountered in my life is that we're all trying to inspire people to be more grateful, have an yeah. attitude of gratitude. Right. So if you wake up every day thinking, you know, what can I do today? What, what, you know, that to help people or what yeah. am I grateful for this morning? Yeah. You know, just waking up, right. Waking up and breathing. We should be right. grateful for that. God gave us an extra time. <laughs> Man. And you know what? I talked about that exact same thing. And I knew I was going to like talking to you. I knew it. I used to, <laughs> when I did my speeches, I go out and I do these motivational speaks. And I, uh, I told people, I said, you know, what's funny. The most, underrated thing that you have and people take it for granted is waking up mm -hmm. 
is waking up simply because I believe a lot of people think that it's supposed to be automatic. And every day that you wake up is because he saw fit for you to wake you up. Because a lot of people didn't. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't. And I think, and I said it, and I mean, and this is something that you can search on my site. I say it all the time. That's the most mm-hmm. underrated blessing because people think that it's supposed to be that way and they take it for granted. And I say this, Doc, and I tell you all the time, a friend of mine used to tell me, God did the hard work by waking me up. Everything else I can handle. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. one more question for you, then I'm going to get into some fun stuff. <laughs> I want to know one goal that you've set for yourself that you haven't achieved yet as far as your foundation and your books. What's the one goal that you've set for yourself that you haven't achieved? Something that you're still growing into becoming. What you got? Uh, you know, first, I wanted to just be an author. I did that. And then I became an international best-selling author. I did that. Found a nonprofit. I did that. Now, I'm in my journey of, um, you know, very early in my keynote speaking. So I even before I became professionally trained, I was invited to do a lot of keynotes. But um, that's what I'm building on right now. But my okay. eventual goal, really, through all of this, is I measure, like, my success in the future or, you know, when when my time here on earth is done is I would look at it as how have I, you know, brought one single person to know God and to deepen, deepen their relationship with him. So if I can do that, then I know I've achieved a goal. So, and somebody came back and said, Hey, I read your book or I heard you speak. And because of that, I, you know, took time to learn about Christ. I became a Christian or, you know, because of that, I became more generous because of yeah. the principles you taught from your yeah. faith. So I measure success in that way, not based on, gosh, you know, how many thousands of people am I speaking to or what audience, you know, ideally, yeah. yes, we have audiences, but, but I, I always think like when I'm even put, putting things out in social media, yeah. who am I reaching? You know, I'd love yeah. to hear back, like how, who am mm-hmm. I inspiring? Mm-hmm. And that's really one of my goals is to hear from somebody to say, because of you, I got to know God or I had a deeper relationship with him. Yeah, that's it right there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it right there. Good for you, man. I'm, I'm smiling because you sound like you stand firm on that. And I and, and it's, it's refreshing to hear people not change because of the culture, not change because it's not status quo to say it out loud like you're doing. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's very it's very refreshing and good for you. But I'm gonna tell you what though, I've heard that you like to garden and travel. Is that true? Oh yes. <laughs> okay. So I spend you know I, I spend money on experiences, right? So <laughs> I, I really don't own a lot of things, right? Yeah. The house and the car, just like basics. Yeah. But um you know, I say if I can go to places and say, hey, I've been to that country or that city or tried food mm-hmm. there or, you know, that's for me, it's about gathering experiences. So that's the that's traveling good. part. And I, and I love it. Um, right. And then as far as gardening, you know, it's relaxing. It's healthy. Right. You get to yeah. make your get your own vegetables. And here in <laughs> Illinois, it's like amazing for me to harvest something in October and still have it frozen <laughs> yeah. in February. Right. So, um, <laughs> but my mom, she passed away in December, 2021 and her, she had her big garden everywhere we moved. She'd have a garden 
Yeah. And I don't remember growing up that we ever had to go buy like vegetables. She'd always every evening say, go to the garden, pick your vegetables, wash it and like have it for dinner. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> so that, I, that, I picked up on that and it's just become a hobby that I love. Yeah. Okay. Too easy. Okay. So now we're going to have a little fun, Doc. Here we go. At the end of every show, right? Started last season. I used to have this game that I play, right? And this game is you have to pick and choose between one or two choices, right? Okay. So this this go round, season two, I named it Pick One. So the game that we're going to be playing right now is called Pick One. I have two questions and then a phrase, all right? Okay. You ready? Okay. All right, let's go. Gardening or traveling? Which one? Traveling. Oh, that was too quick. You already knew the answer. <laughs> okay. Okay. Writing books or being a doctor? Which one? Hmm. I'd still say being a doctor. Oh, you so all that passion that you had about your books and the co-authoring, you'd rather be you'd rather be a pediatric doc, right? Well, I think okay. that if I didn't go through the experience of being a doctor, though, I wouldn't be able to write. Okay, okay, I see where you at. I see where you at. Okay, last one. I give you the phrase, this is my moment. What's the first thing that comes to mind? This is my moment. So uh, the first thing I think of is just being on stage and sharing things that I can inspire people. So the moment is being able to be in front of a stage and inspiring people. That's it. That's yeah. it. We done. <laughs> we done. You made the time go by so fast. Your story is phenomenal. Thank your story you. is phenomenal. Keep standing on your faith. Keep giving inspiration to people because you know what? You will never know. Those people that you touch, they may not have the capability to tell you thank you. So I'm going to tell you for everybody on This Is My Moment family, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for being amazing and keep it up. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, it's uh, it's tough, like especially in the last few years uh, to to really even in medicine or in writing or speaking yeah. to to be, you know, faithful and right. authentic in the practice yeah. of your faith in your profession. And um, but I was, you know, I never forget the lessons my, my parents taught me without my faith in God or faith in God. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here in America. Yeah. So I can't give that up. You know, you can't um, give it up. that's yeah. one thing that they passed on and all 10 of their kids continue to practice their faith. And so that's one thing I know as they look down, they're very proud of that. Not about our accomplishments, but about that we believe in God and we practice our faith and we can pass that on to the rest of our family. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dr. Wynn. It was a pleasure. Don't move. I just got to close the show out. Hey, guys, Dr. Wynn said it, man. Stand by your faith. Stand strong in your conviction. It doesn't matter what time the culture is. It doesn't matter what's going on. Because at the end of the day, as long as you're standing true to yourself, you're going to be able to help others. And that's what it's about. Get out of the I phase. Get into the we phase. And then go get it! Join the movement. We bringing people together. Bringing positivity. Making changes for the better. Because it's all about growth. All about success. We want to see you rise. Want to see you at your best.